Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast on Manic Monday. It is pretty much complete for the day, although... Uh, Who's still going? We've got Thomas Burdick against Yuri Vesely, which was just about level at one set all when I last looked. But all the other matches have been done pretty much today. My name is David Law, joined, of course, by Catherine Whitaker. We're hoping Simon Briggs of The Telegraph is going to join us fairly soon. Of course, he's tapping away at his typewriter. Typewriter? Do they use those anymore? Well, I reckon Simon Briggs has, has got a typewriter back home. He's that kind of bloke. Uh, but he's going to go into the press conference fairly soon. I have to say, though, folks, we are lucky today because we... We have a very special guest here with us on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. A few days after having Philip Studd on the team and Jonathan Overend, for the first time, we welcome Mr. Alistair Eakin from BBC Radio 5 Live. Alistair. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. It's an absolute pleasure. This man, ladies and gentlemen, is somebody that I travelled the world with for more than a decade on BBC Five Live duty. We were going to Australia to US Open and calling it work, Alistair. And Lousy life. Yeah. Lousy life. It's such hard work out there. We had a miserable time, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you're wasted on tennis, Ali. You've got the best tan in tennis. But wasted on the radio. You've got the best tan in tennis. Yes, it's irritatingly nice. Well, your I, was, I was one of the lucky ones yesterday. I got out. I got out of Wimbledon and I didn't watch any tennis at all. I went to play cricket. So the sun shone, which was a miracle in itself. Did you win middle Sunday no. cricket? No. No, we lost. It was, it was really quite dramatic. We didn't make many runs, but then we failed to defend them as well. So, yeah, a, a failure on both fronts. But there we are. So you get the tennis, you get the cricket. This is an all-encompassing sport tennis podcast. Alistair, we've just seen Andy Murray defeat Nick Kyrgios in straight sets. I was commentating alongside Russell Fuller for Five Live. You would have been watching as well. Highly competitive first set, 7-5. Very good quality of tennis from both players. Um, Andy Murray won it. And then Nick Kyrgios, frankly, seemed to have a bit of a capitulation mentally for a while. Got it back a little bit in the third, but Andy Murray just broke him down today. I felt like Kyrgios was right in that first set. I mean, he was playing some really good tennis. He was right there where he needed to be. He was sending down 138-mile-an-hour bombs 
he was mentally on point. And then right at the end of that first set, he drops it and Murray just broke him, broke his resolve and Kyrgios seemed to check out, which was really disappointing because I've watched enough of him to know that we've got a serious talent on our hands there. I mean, that guy, most matches you feel are on his racket. I mean, he's got power to burn, an incredible serve, great forehand. Um, He moves well for a big guy, I think. Um, If he could only get his mental resolve together, he would be lethal, absolutely lethal. But it's a very, very big if. If that happens, then the world needs to watch out. But right now, he was shown up today by somebody who's been at the top for a few years, mentally tougher than anybody left in the draw, bar Federer probably now. Um, and he was schooled, properly schooled. Murray was brilliant. Catherine, what was your take? I, I think... The the strongest storyline in the match was how brilliant Murray was. I don't think Kyrgios massively underperformed. It was very interesting. I was sort of monitoring Twitter during the match. Uh, I wasn't actually listening to the BBC TV commentary myself, but lots of people were quoting what John McEnroe had to say. I mean, he was sort of remotely coaching Nick Kyrgios via the commentary booth. Uh, and it's it's that he actually left Milos Raonic's match with Raonic leading two sets of love to come and commentate on Nick Kyrgios. And it's that thing of that just seems like so much more than actual, hey, look, it's worth with Milos Raonic but it just seems like he's sort of itching also to impart his wisdom to Nick Kyrgios uh, and he described it as mental laziness on the part of Nick Kyrgios today whether he's right or not I don't know there's certainly something not quite there he, he, he's like a saffin isn't he I think he probably will nick a slam or two I just don't see him having the mental components to be a dominant Djokovic or Federer or, or even a Murray really to be doggedly making the most of his talent all the time but it, it's, all, it's all there gloriously on display the talent isn't it you only need to watch a game to, to, for him to reveal what he's capable of and as if this tennis podcast wasn't jam-packed enough, Simon Briggs has decided that he can get away from his typewriter and speak to us here uh, on the tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Simon, you were quite quick in reference to what uh, Catherine said there to just come out a little bit in defence of Kyrgios during that third set. Yeah, I mean, I thought he tapped out for 20 minutes in second set. His, his head went. I saw when it went. It wasn't actually on the set point. It was third game... Um, 30 all had a bit of pressure on the Murray serve and Murray played this unbelievable point in which he went up the line with the forehand inside in and then he played this drop shot and then he passed him on the backhand and then the next point the stupid sort of semi-walking forehand drop shot yeah, that was the point when his head cracked and it cracked for 20 minutes I thought third set he played okay I mean look he was he plays quick between points it looks it looks a bit messy because people are going why are you rushing but he always plays quick between points I don't know maybe I've just been converted to the Kyrgios fan club and maybe I'm just being uh, overly generous I'm quite prepared to believe that I am being a bit of a softy on him but just because I, I, I'm growing to like him I can't help it <laughs> I know what you mean there, but for me, I think people sometimes read too much into body language and um, there are certain people that don't look like David Ferrer every point and jump up and down and clench fists and look like they're convulsing with energy and they they might still be trying. I'd I'd actually go, I think, with what you're saying, Alistair, more than anything in terms of he needs to address his ability to sustain a challenge even when it's not going very well and... um, even if he is trying, it's it, it, it's like this wave of depression almost comes over him, and he just he's just really down in the dumps. Well, it took one set for that to happen. You know, one set 
against one of the world's best players. This is not a calamity. It doesn't need to be a calamity at that point. When you're two sets and a double breakdown, fine. You're in a major crisis at that stage, aren't you? But for me, he's got more than enough ability to dig in at those moments. And I think that's what everybody wants to see from him, the, the willingness to go into the trenches and take it to his opponent and say, right, you want to beat me, you've got to do it the hard way. I'm going to be here for three, four hours if necessary. And if you get across the line then, then all power to you. But I am going to be here and I'm not going away. And yes, okay, in, in terms of body language, it doesn't look that great. But I, I think you need to see that resolve from him because there's no doubt he has, he has more than enough ability to handle those kind of situations. Mentally, though, he's a midget compared to Murray right now. Murray, at the age of 29, of course, there is a, a sizable age gap between the two. Catherine, you mentioned Andy Murray's should really be the, the story of this match in terms of his level of performance. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him look better through four rounds of this particular tournament. I haven't. I think uh, I, I'm not sure anybody has. I, th I think it's it's a, he's a significantly better tennis player than he was in 2013 when he won here. Uh, there's nobody left in the top half of the draw against whom he doesn't have a winning record. The closest record is against Thomas Burdick. I think he leads that 8-6, but he would be such a heavy favourite going into a match against Thomas Burdick. I, I just can't see anybody preventing him from reaching that final. Well, it'd be Joe Wilfred Songer next, uh, Simon. He got a, a little bit of a, a free freebie, really, today with uh, Richard Gasquet getting injured in the first set. Songer squeezing through against John Isner in the previous round. They've played each other a lot, Murray and Songer. Murray's usually had the better of that. I'm sort of imagining it's going to be a total blowout, but I mean, I, I could be being, again, uh, Murray-centric here. I, I feel it could be like one of those matches that reduced Andy Roddick to saying, keep it social, Andy. Um, just on the basis of the guy's got the ball on a string. There's a, there's a little play he's brought in I've never seen until this tournament. The one where he's pushed back in a defensive position on his backhand side and he plays a winning drop shot. I mean, I've seen him play drop shots from inside the court a lot, but he's now turning defence into winning drop shots. So the drop shot, definitely like 2013 would be the nearest he's been here to what he's doing now, but that element today was unbelievable and it's, it's added an extra dimension to what he had uh, three years ago. Alison, you covered Andy Murray for a decade, pretty much, uh, at the various outposts of the circuit. Ivan Lendl, since he came in a few years ago, transformed him on certain levels. He's back, and it, it feels like it's happening all over again. It feels like he's never been away, really, doesn't it? And uh, I like the focus. I like the single-mindedness right now of Andy Murray. He was all business today, wasn't he? I mean, there was never a moment at which you thought... He's switching off just for a game, uh, even a handful of points. He was bang on point right through the match. And I, I love the fact that that was the way it was. I think it probably has got a fair bit to do with Lendl. You know, we can, we can over-dramatise the, the whole element of the, the coaching influence and how much he gets from him or gets back or how much he doesn't get back from him when he looks up at him in the box, how much he does or doesn't grumble when he's up there, whether it's Moresmo up there, whether it's Jamie Delgado, whether it's Mark Petchy, you know, Miles McLaggen. You know, I, I think we can get too deep into all of that maybe at times. But one thing's for sure, you know, Lendl... Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's all about steel and Murray looks steely. Sure does. He sure does look steely. Joe Alfred Songer, though, looks pretty steely. But he hasn't played any Murray yet, so I, I, I think it, you may well be right, Sam, and I think it could end up being pretty one-sided, that. Other matches today, Catherine, for the first time in his career, Milos Raonic came back from two sets to love down to win a tennis match, and I actually looked it up, and eight times in his career he'd been two sets to love down and not even won another set in the match at all. He'd lost all of them in straight sets, so this was a, a pretty sizable mental performance from him. Yeah, this is really big for him. That would have been an enormous opportunity squandered had he gone down to David Goffin. As great a tennis player as David Goffin is, I mean, come on. You know, with with Djokovic out of the draw, he's, he, I mean, his his name is in that semi-final, really. Uh, so, yeah, that would, have, that would have been, I think, really tough for him to take. And I think it's probably the thought of of what that opportunity missed would have would have been to him that gave him the resolve to come back from two sets to love down after John McEnroe had left the players' box. <laughs> yes, after John McEnroe had left the players' box. Uh, somebody suggested to me today, I think it was Tim Hemman, saying that, that actually he thinks that the, the contract between McEnroe and Milos Raonic has actually expired already. So, so I'm not quite sure about that, because certainly McEnroe was sitting courtside, but Tim just said, well, yeah, he's helping him out. I don't, I don't know. Don't ask me. But anyway, uh, they were certainly, he was certainly a presence there until he got called away for the Murray match. And, uh, yeah, that he was sitting next to, to Carlos Moya. And Raonic, certainly for a couple of sets, was 
getting absolutely taken to the cleaners by little David Goffin, you know, who's such a clever player. He was playing like Djokovic, just pinning him back, and then when he did venture forward, he was lobbing him, passing him, driving him to distraction. But that's a, that's a big win for Ranić. And now, Simon, do you think we're going to see that Federer against Ranić semi eventually? They've got a couple of quarterfinals to navigate first. Yeah, probably, but I would suggest that... Well, firstly, I'd say Chilich has got a fantastic chance against Federer. I've been talking Federer down all week, and he definitely proved me wrong today again. But I'm, I'm still not... I'm still, I just don't believe he's got the backing of matches behind him that's going to get him through this tournament. Um, with Raonic, I think he, he feels the impact of long matches as well. You know, when you look at him around the court, he's a heavy, heavy bloke, isn't he? He's just a unit. And that, that makes it hard because uh, when you look at him, he gets niggles late in tournaments. So I think today it could be a big psychological boost. It could be a big physical drain as well. Uh, and I've completely forgotten who he's got next. Lucas, Lucas Puri? Query. Sam Query. Big Sam is who Milos Raonic has next. Oh, sorry. OK. Query, not Puri. OK. Um, well, yeah, that's going to be difficult. I think that's going to be very difficult for him. But I, I, I don't see him recovering that well physically. No, it's going to be interesting. I think you'll be all right, personally. I think you'll be just fine. Because um, his game doesn't take too long to complete the matches that he plays, but we shall see. Alistair, in the women's side, what a fairy tale we've got coming here with both the Williams sisters still there. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, just, just when you begin to wonder whether a Serena's maybe lost half a step, quarter of a step, you know, she's storming it. Venus Williams still turning in incredible performances in a draw which is featuring women half her age. Uh, again, dug out a really tough one today. Uh, she's just at home here, isn't she? And I think she feels maybe, like the rest of us, that, that perhaps there aren't going to be too many more opportunities. We feel like we might not get to see her too much more, which is why her courts are always rammed and everybody's craning to get a view of her. I think she, she, you know, why would she not love it here? Why would she not love it? She's won here so many different times. Uh, I think she feels that, you know, that perhaps this is going to be a last hooray. And if it is, then she's going the right way about it. Those two really dangerous. And, uh, you know, this when you look down the draw, they stand out a mile beyond on everybody else. We'll be in the main interview room at 7.50. Nick Kyrgios at 7.50. Okay, Nick Kyrgios. Oh, hold on. Andy Murray at 8.30. Okay, fine. So we've got press conferences a go-go on their way. Simon Briggs will be off to those in a moment or two. Uh, Catherine, are we going to get an all-Williams sisters final? Is that even possible? Are they in the opposite halves of the draw? I haven't even looked. It is possible. I think there's a good chance. I think Venus is going to make it past Yaroslava Shvedova in the next She's round. She's a good player, Shvedova. We're on a day. She's spectacular as she, a player. She is. The lady that got a golden set here last year. I mean, yeah, she is absolutely a good player, but you'd take that draw, wouldn't you, Venus? It's not a bad draw on paper, is it? Yeah. It's not a bad draw. She will then stumble upon either Angelique Kerber or Simona Halep, that presumably the biggest stumbling block I think Serena is nailed on to reach that final there is nobody left in the top half that has ever beaten her Wow. Uh, how about Dominika Sibulkova? What a great story she is. Uh, I love the bit of commentary from Sarah Orchard on Five Live, who just on match point said, right, she's into the quarterfinals. If she wins two more matches, she's into the final. Her wedding day's on the final. 
I'm not quite sure what she's going to do. Apparently she's going to delay her wedding if she gets to the final. She's done sort of the opposite of tempting fate, hasn't she, by booking her wedding for, uh, for the final of, of Wimbledon. It's quite smart mind games uh, with the powers that be. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think she's just glorious, isn't she? She's fantastic to watch. Her celebration uh, in that moment of victory was fantastic. Uh, most people calling it, or a lot of people calling it, the, the women's match of the year, and I'd find that pretty hard to argue with. She now faces Elena Vesnina for a place in the semi-finals. I mean, Vesnina never been to a Grand Slam quarter-final before she's won... Playing some of her best ever tennis. Playing fantastic tennis, but Sabulkova undoubtedly the favourite going into that one, you know, very good chance of reaching a Grand Slam semi-final where she would probably face Serena Williams, who I've just said is nailed on for the final. So I think the wedding most likely will go ahead. Nailed on. Is it a foregone conclusion? I've been very careful not to use those words. It's not far off being that, is it? But thanks for bringing it up. You're very welcome. Uh, Simon, what's the final going to be? Kerber, Serena. Yeah, I think Kerber is going to be too tough for Venus if it comes to that. Um, And... It, it looks like, is this, is this right, Catherine, that Serena hasn't actually lost to any of the remaining players in the top half ever? Okay. Some, some record, isn't it? It's some record. Alistair, um, before we sign off for another night, just have to ask you about your time on the circuit. What sort of, <laughs> what sort of highlights stick out of all those years as Simon Briggs goes oh, off man. to the press conferences? Uh, I'm really fascinated to know, I mean, of all those years that you and Jonathan and myself and, and various other people, Russell Fuller, were traveling the world together, <laughs> calling it work. Um, the, the, what sticks out? Oh, there's so many moments other than the good times that we all had, which, of course, were, were plentiful. Um, I would probably pick out, well, I'd definitely pick out the 2008 final between Federer and Nadal. Which you and Jonathan would have commentated on. Yeah, and in everything to do with it, you know, the darkness, the the drama of it all. And at the time, you know, the, the, the breakthrough here of Rafael Nadal, that moment just seemed seismic and the tennis those guys were playing you know in in almost total darkness was just off the charts brilliant um obviously into the mix has got to go you know murray's win here which i was lucky enough to commentate on and indeed his first slam at the us open which was an incredible night Uh, i won't forget that in a hurry um there was there was so much going on that evening all my notes by the way that night my notes of 10 years standing on every player that i'd ever commentated on were swept into a dustbin by Jonathan Overend that night in the hurry to clear Flushing Meadows. I had to start from scratch. I had nothing. It's probably for the best. But um, So that was, that was one of my memories. And probably the most fun, the most fun I've had in a commentary box on a tennis court would have been Lucas Rossell knocking out Rafael Nadal under the lights. Sparks were flying off centre court that night and the whole place just was electrified it was incredible and that bloke was just you know serving bullets Nadal didn't know what to do with himself and we had such a blast in the commentary box it was brilliant yeah I can even remember lines out of that commentary about this guy didn't even get through qualifying in Eastbourne (laughs) (laughs) but anyway so uh, yeah great moments uh, to remember and of course Alistair we have to end with a prediction for this this tournament because that's what we do on the tennis podcast we do rubbish predictions Uh, not that yours will be rubbish of course women's final is going to be between whom and who's going to win the women's final is going to be between 
Serena Williams. I say that with a slightly heavy heart because I really love the way Dominika Sivakova has been playing. I love everything she does on the tennis court. She's just a ball of energy, but I, I'm just not convinced when it comes to, right to the crunch that she's going to have what it takes to beat Serena. Uh, and, and before today... Before today, in the bottom half of the draw, my money was on um, Madison Keys, but she's gone. So maybe I have to go with Halep. Yeah, a good win for her, fighting back today. And in the men's side? Men's side, uh, that's going to be Murray Federer, and Murray's going to win it. Wow, that was said with emphatic belief, wasn't it, by Alistair Eakin? By the way, how on earth does Simon Briggs spend an entire week talking down Roger Federer when he's been playing the way he's been playing? He's playing off the charts, good incredible tennis right now and I love the way he's coming in behind those chip charges he's rushing the net the touch is there he played a drop shot return today it was a joke guys playing out of his skin so Simon wherever you are and you've gone off to a press conference Alistair Eakin's made his point <laughs> we'll have you back on the podcast soon Simon to have your right of reply anyway Alistair it's been an absolute pleasure to have you great with us great to be here great to be here it's been great Catherine you know it's still going we managed to do one every day this is good isn't it <laughs> yeah, we're still standing somehow, yeah. <laughs> it's working here. for a living there, doesn't it? We don't know if it's any good, but we're here, we're talking. Yeah. Thanks for listening to you lot. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Alistair. Thanks, Simon. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.